There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss. Every now and then, we release an episode that really resonates with people. We get a lot of questions uh, in specific areas of the episode. We like to come back and we like to take a deeper dive. We did that with Jennifer Thornton. We talked about the seven deadly sins of leadership and how that tied into the neuroscience of leadership. Came back and did that episode. It was incredibly, incredibly popular. A few weeks ago, we released an episode with Melanie Pump, and we talked about detox Managing insecurity in the workplace, such a big, big issue. That was episode 34. Today, we're going to take a deeper dive into how having the wrong people in the wrong role creates insecurity, dysfunction, destroys teams, destroys cultures. So excited for this conversation today. If we remember back to our episode, we talked about how insecurity fuels defensiveness, fear. It creates a sense of competition, jealousy, envy, creates stress, anxiety, all these things decrease psychological safety, sense of belonging, creativity, innovation, communication, teamwork, you name it. So many devastating impacts of that. So I'm really excited to take a deeper dive into this, how being in the wrong role fuels this insecurity and dysfunction. As a reminder, Melanie grew up uh, in a family that went bankrupt soon after she was born. By 15, she was a high school dropout. Today, she's the CFO of Brain Incorporated. She's coming to us from Toronto, Canada. Uh, during her more than 20 years of progressive corporate experience, she studied the impact of leaders and workplace cultures have on employee security, employee performance. Through her work, she's learned how to shape corporate environments to create powerful teamwork, authentic communication, diverse creativity, and heartfelt loyalty. She wrote her book, which is an incredible book, Detox, Managing Insecurity in the Workplace, to help leaders and employees everywhere learn how to truly thrive. Melanie, welcome back to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Thanks so much for having me again. You know, I love having people back. We were talking about this before. There's always this chemistry and you get to know each other. And I had a great time with the episode. Tons of positive feedback. Drove a lot of conversation on LinkedIn. Again, to our listeners, if you're not following on LinkedIn during the week, we break things down. You know, Melanie came in, joined that conversation, which is always really, really cool. So as, as we went back and reviewed that episode and talked about it, you had gotten some feedback from this episode and some other episodes you've done at taking a deeper dive into this role assignment. Can you kind of bring that to life for us? Yeah, I had a couple of people come to me and mention, because in that episode, we did touch on the impact of not being in the right role. And I had many people say, you know, how they've been in that situation, either where they weren't in the right role. So that created insecurity for them because they felt a bit like an imposter, or they'd had leaders um, who potentially weren't quite qualified for the role that they were put into. And then that had insecurity that led to micromanagement and, and perhaps some inability to delegate that was really difficult uh, in the workplace and, and limited the success overall. So it seemed like something we should dive a little bit more into about, you know, what, how does that happen and uh, what can we do to avoid it? As we stayed in contact and you brought up the suggestion, I was, I was so excited about that because I've seen it so many times through, through my career um, mm-hmm. and you see the, the impacts of it. Now you, this is such an important topic that you've dedicated a chapter to this in your book, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a chapter on, so what, what happens when this occurs uh, and then also how, how can we fix it or what can we do to avoid it occurring? Awesome. So why don't, why don't we go ahead and start and by talking about the impacts, right? I always like to start with why, like, why do we care about this? Well, there's some pretty significant impacts 
by having the wrong people in the wrong role. So yeah. could you walk us through that? Yeah. And certainly like from, for starters, most of the time we realize when we're, when we're not quite right for our jobs or we realize when we have a competency gap. So that right there can create insecurity from us and make us a bit protective because we often don't want to, sh- don't want to show it. So that will make people defensive. So for one, if somebody does give them feedback, they're more likely to just come up with excuses and not be able to hear that feedback. If the person's in a leadership role, as I mentioned, um, this can make them less likely to delegate because they don't want to give up control because they, uh, they're just not comfortable with the work that they're doing. Uh, It can also result in in micromanagement because somebody who feels like they're in the the right place are going to try to control everything. Um, On top of that, you know, just lower collaboration. If we we don't feel safe in our roles, we're less likely to expose ourselves because we're afraid people might notice that we're not quite right for our role. So that's going to stop us from interacting as much with our peers uh, just in case they, you know, they find us out, so to speak. So this the insecurity is actually what leads to a lot of these behaviors and a lot of these symptoms that you've just talked about. And I think that's important for people to take in and and let soak in really quick, because oftentimes we think that a person is a narcissist or they're about power and control. Um, They've got a big ego. They, and oftentimes, Melanie, I have found that especially in this whole concept of leading up, right? You, you hear about these things you're talking about. So you're talking about imposter syndrome. So you got somebody who's defensive. They're closed-minded to your ideas. Um, they won't delegate. They, so people don't develop. They micromanage. They hold on to things tight because they're worried themselves about getting in trouble. They're trying to control something they don't understand. It decreases that collaboration. And so when we understand that a lot of these things are driven by insecurity, driven by imposter syndrome, as well, that gives us some insight and in how to lead up with those people and change the environment we're in. So I just wanted to, to talk about that. If you want to build on it all, that that's fine. But otherwise, I want to I want to step in. Like, how does this happen? So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of ways that it happens, and and you know, most of them are, are of course unintentional. You know, we all try to get the right people into our roles, but sometimes, you know, for one, um, we may not be totally clear on on the role that we're recruiting for. So, you know, sometimes leaders are recruiting for a role that they haven't done themselves, or if they did, it was ten years ago, and they've kind of forgotten the specifics of it. So they maybe misrepresent uh, what they're looking for to the candidate, and they're not clear on it themselves. Um, you know, some of the other can, things can be if there's a misalignment in the skills and and values that don't come out um, in the in the interview process. So if we don't ask the right questions, you know, a a values misalignment um, can also mean somebody isn't the right person for the role. So if the company isn't really clear on what their culture is during the interview process, that can cause somebody to end up in a role they're not right for too. Can you give us an example of the, the values misalignment, like how that comes to life? Yeah. Well, you know, a really good example would be if it's a company, let's say, that is primarily focused on driving profitability. And and look, I mean, we're all focused on profit, but some companies are more focused on innovation than they are on profit. So if a company, if an employee is really inter- in, invested in learning and growing and innovating, and they get into a company that is more concerned with, ma- with making sure that they do things at the, you know, the lowest cost, there's going to be a misalignment there because that person's going to be really frustrated that they can't try their new ideas um, because there's, there's cost constraints. Okay. So, so one way this happens, one way we get the wrong people in the wrong role is we're not clear 
on the role. Yeah. Uh, another, and this can, this can create a misalignment in their skill set. Mm-hmm. But depending on the process and how we got here, a, a value misalignment. How how are some other ways that that this happens? That people, the wrong people, get into these wrong roles. Yeah, another really common one is is over promotion from within a company. You know, we we all um, aim to help people grow within our organizations, and of course we should. But if we're not really thoughtful about it, sometimes we may promote people who aren't actually ready to be promoted, um, just because we do want to promote from within. Um, or you know, nepotism is certainly a factor in this, where um, you know somebody gets into a role because they're favored because of friend connections or family connections, so they get into a role, but they're not actually uh, don't have the right skill set to be there. Let's talk about the overpromotion from within. Mm-hmm. We 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 do like you know within the city of Dixon. I'm the city manager there. We've got 103 employees, eight or nine departments, um, and we do like to develop talent from within. We believe great leaders are great multipliers. We're heavily invested in training, and we're looking for people that align with our values, with our mission and purpose. Very service based, adopting our mottos of here to serve and commitment to excellence. Um, but but every now and then. You, you see somebody, they're a rising star, they're doing everything right at their role, but when they make the step to the next role, they're not as successful. That transition isn't as smooth. So I guess maybe, can we break it down from a couple of ways? Can we break it down from, you know, maybe how do we make it smoother? Mm-hmm. And then like, what do we do if this has happened and now yeah. they're in this role? Yeah. Well, from, from the outset, I, I, it, you know, I, I always talk about transparency, but it really is, you know, critically important. And, and so having really open discussions about what, it, what does the role entail? And then also, you know, what strengths and weaknesses does, does the candidate have so that, you know, going in, you know, let's say you really do want to promote this person, but if you identify what their competency gaps are, then you can provide the training and support, um, to ensure that they're actually ready, ready for the role. Um, or if you don't have the, the support available, then maybe you have them wait another year until they are ready for that. So I think a lot of it is just really being clear and making sure we understand what is the role and, and what can this candidate bring to the role? Yeah. And, you know, so many times, so the, the move um, from the leaderboard to leadership, I talked mm-hmm. to that extensively with Rebecca Gebhardt uh, early in season two. And, and there are different skill sets that make people an achiever and a performer versus people who create environments for people to be achievers and performers. So one thing, and I, and I saw this a ton come up through the ranks of the Dixon Police Department. So a couple of things would happen. One, either we would promote people because of their time on, like they're next. So they step into the role of yeah. sergeant or they step into the role of lieutenant, which is right before chief. We, we did see impacts of some favoritism. Some of that happened down the road, um, but, but not really as much. But so one of the things that, that we did when I became police chief was we said, look, anybody promoted into a leadership role, right? A formal leadership role mm-hmm. is going to have a one-year probation period. And during that period, we are going to assess whether or not this individual is is capable of doing the job. Now, when I say that, we 
train and coach and we mentor and we, we hire leadership coaches and we, we do a lot of different things. If somebody isn't, we, we do constant feedback, especially early on. So if somebody's struggling, you know, is this the right role for you? Do you feel comfortable here? What is it that you need? But this really allows us to assess, is it the right fit? Because when we talk about formal leadership roles, right? People don't leave their company. They leave their immediate supervisor. Like yeah. this person has such a direct impact day in and day out. And, and we just did that at, at every level. And there's a couple of times we had to tap somebody on a shoulder and say, Hey, you know, how do you think this is working out? And generally when you have that open, transparent conversation, they, they actually are aware and they'll let you know. Um, yeah. And it's hard to take steps backwards, but I've been so impressed with some people that have been able to do that. Um, yeah. And that has a lot to do with having the culture where you can. So just interested as we look at when somebody is overpromoted, like what is, what do we do? We don't want to fire them or get rid of them or ruin them. Yeah. And the environment that you're describing there is exactly um, what I would recommend, like as far as providing. So, I mean, to avoid this from happening and to provide people with the training, but everything you just explained there, it isn't what happens in many corporate environments. You know, unfortunately, many people that are put into promotion positions, it's often a bit of a sink, sink or swim. Um, so we do need to try, um, you know, really make efforts to provide the support and training like you, you described and the open, transparent conversations. And then also, you know, when we put people into these roles, um, which it sounds like you're doing, if it is something that you're not certain about, and you are just giving somebody uh, a chance to prove themselves, make sure that's really, really clear in the beginning uh, and, and talk about it transparently and also talk about it um, as it not necessarily being a failure if, if it doesn't work out uh, because they they are trying, they are you know going outside of their comfort zone and it's a learning process. Uh, so if it doesn't work out, there's an opportunity to move them to move them to something else rather than it being a situation where you just put somebody in sink or swim and then after six months, it hasn't worked out. And your only choice is, is to let them go, uh, which can be just cr crushing to someone and, and really damaging for their, for their career going forward. Yeah. We never want to be in that situation. You know, the, no. if we've, if we've over promoted somebody and we haven't, we haven't assessed their skills properly or provided whatever training, or they just couldn't make the transition. I think there's a part from a leadership and management side, if we're doing our jobs right that we got to take ownership as well. I mean, whenever there's a problem, we always say, you know, what part of the problem am I? And, and how do we care and support about people? And, and with us, we talked, we, for a long time, we talked about team, 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 creating a great team, team, but now that word has transitioned to family. And so we're, we're critical about who we bring on and who we keep early on. We've, we've got a year of probationary period and somebody comes on, but once they've made it, I mean, they're, they're our family mm -hmm. and we have a duty and responsibility to support them and help them. And, and I think that, you know, they're not a number. They're not, like you said, we're not just trying to drive profits or, or whatever the case may be. So mm -hmm. something really, really important. Are there some other things related to how this happens? We talked a little bit about nepotism. So that could, you know, nepotism re relates to, you know, you're related to me, but it could also, I think of it in terms too, like, you know, we're great friends, right? Um, yeah. You know, we've, we've talked about, we weren't clear on the role, misaligned skills. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the other things that can happen, not necessarily uh, related to overpromotion, but is as companies evolve, um, somebody that was hired and they were the right person for their role when you hired them, it can sometimes not be the right person for their role anymore because the company has, has shifted. Uh, for example, if the company has really grown or become much more complex, or you know, if their environment has changed, let's say they've, they've become a public company, which can really, really change an environment and change the demands on roles. You know, sometimes I see 
it's very difficult um, as a leaders to have those conversations with employees and, and let them you know that maybe it's just not working anymore with, with this changed environment and figure out what you can do to, to make it work. But um, you know, sometimes people are just left in roles and, and it's really just not working anymore because of changes in the company. Yeah. So as you, as you find yourself in that situation, so I was consulting and working with a company, they were a fast growing company, uh, professional company that supported, you know, a lot of different companies in their work. I want to stay pretty broad as I, as I talk about this, but honestly, they had a a CFO that was pretty stuck in their ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as the company grew, they needed to go away from paper books and things like that, or simple systems and more complex systems. And it was just, it was a, it was a fight. And this company is a great company, a great culture, and they really care about their people so there was like a value conflict about like, look, we, we don't want to damage or hurt this person. They've been with us for a long time. By the same token, they can't take us where we need to go. Right. What guidance or advice or strategies do you have in yeah. those situations? And, and that is a, that is a very common thing because companies change and their needs change over time. And somebody that was hired in, in a one moment may not be the right person for the next moment. And, you know, part of it, you know, if you are an organization that is high growth, so if you're in a startup stage, one thing I would say is to be just really honest from, from the outset that the company is going to evolve and change. And there we do have to constantly have discussions to make sure to identify what skill sets are needed to help the company get to the next stage. And then as you see that evolution occurring in the company, have those check-ins with employees and see how they're doing. Uh, so, so that's one. So maybe you can actually catch something before it becomes a problem if you're having those discussions. Um, but if it does happen and, and maybe it's a surprise or you expected somebody to be able to, to grow uh, and they weren't, um, uh, the way that I look at it is it, if the person isn't performing in the role and there's no longer an, an alignment from a values or a skills perspective, that person is probably really suffering because of that as well, because they know that they're not um, giving the company what it needs anymore. So, you know, sometimes you do need to make a decision decision to part ways. But again, it doesn't have to be considered a failure. It means that there's probably another company out there that can use that person's skill set and does need what they can bring to the table. It's just no longer the company that you're in anymore. And it probably is um, best for both sides to, to make mm-hmm. that decision, even though it's a hard one. Yeah, it is. And and I think there's a big difference. You brought up a good point here. You know, there's many different kinds of businesses in employment from yeah. startups to companies that have been around for 75 years, small companies to, to larger companies, you know, some of these things in bigger companies, more corporate structures, there's more places to move people. There's more places, I hate to say this word, but hide people. Not that you ever want to do that, but somebody who's trying to do right by somebody, I guess. I don't know. Um, so depending on what environment you're in, depends on what strategy you're going to have to use. But right. I think the one strategy that you've talked about that that's pretty dear to, near and dear to my heart is transparency, open and honest communication. Because oftentimes we're afraid to have that conversation, but our team member is miserable. They're not happy anyway. And if there's something we can do to help them either find another role within the organization or to help them proactively find another job that's a better fit for them. Right. Everybody's in a good place. 
Yeah, I agree. And then that person is can leave the organization um, with a good reference for one, because you've done it in, in a way that that has maintained the relationships. Um, and they're not they don't have insecurity, you know, you can communicate to them in a way that they've been really valuable at the stage that you were in. Uh, but now it's and now it's time for a different different leadership or a different skill set. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're talking with Melanie Pomp. We're talking about ensuring employees are in the right roles, that they have the right skill set, the right value alignment. Um, because when they don't, amongst the other things that she's been sharing with us, it really drives to insecurity that's very destructive to the person, to the team, to the organization. One of the, I'm a big fan of Jim Collins. I don't know if you've read any of his books. I have. Yeah, his book, uh, Good to Great, he talks about we got to get the right people on the bus. But mm-hmm. then we've got to get them in the right seat on the bus. Exactly. Very, very important. And, yeah. and when you talked about you know, taking a deeper dive into this specific area, that's one of the first things I thought about. It's so mm-hmm. important. So let's yeah. talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, because, you know, we all we all have talents and, and uh, need to be in a situation where we can reach our full potential. And if we're in a role that's not right for us, we're, we're never going to do that. We're never going to be able to contribute at our at our highest level. So it, there really is power to having people in the right role so you can maximize uh, their strengths. And that helps grow the business overall. No, absolutely. Absolutely. How, how can we ensure that we do get the right people in the right role? So we talked about the impact of people being mm-hmm. in the wrong role. How does it happen? Mm-hmm. So, so how do we ensure, create good process and symptoms that we, systems that we do get the right people in the right role? Yeah. And you know, this is just, this is a really basic one and we probably think we already do it, but, but really, really clearly defining the needs of the role and, and, and doing it in a way where, um, you know, sense check it with multiple people. Talk to, to if, if somebody's been in the role recently, talk to them about it. So, you know, sometimes as leaders, we think we understand the demands of a role, um, but we may not really. So be really, really thoughtful about um, defining uh, what that role is and what the day-to-day of that role is gonna, going to look like, including, you know, how much time will they spend interacting with others versus sitting at their desks? You know, the more more clearly you can define that, the better chance you will have of, of um, finding the right person. And on top of that, um, in the interview process, you know, share, I, I, I say in my book, I call it sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly um, of the organization. Uh, because for an employee to make a choice about whether the right company is for them, they really need to know what that environment's going to be like. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, when I've gone in for interviews at jobs, you know, it, it's a bit of a, of a selling process to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, you know, doing a bit of a performance. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, you get into an organization and it, and it isn't as, as it, as was presented. And that right there is, is going to increase the chance you're going to get somebody who's not a good fit for your organization. So talk about the good, but also talk about the bad. Okay. Excellent. Mm -hmm. You know, I think something a lot of people miss when they go as a potential candidate for a job is that you're just not trying to impress them to get them to pick you. Mm -hmm. They need to impress you for you to pick them. And I think, you know, off air, we talked about the great resignation, the big quit, however you want to refer to it. People have rethought life and they've rethought work um, coming through and coming out of COVID. Everything has, has changed. The, there, there is no normal. They're moved towards a new normal. And this becomes really important. And so if you're an aspiring leader or want to move up through an organization, if you're looking at getting a new role in another organization, it isn't just about them picking you. It's about you picking them 
Because if you don't do that in a line and yeah. ask good questions, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you're right. I mean, I, I mean, I remember when I went for my first job, like, you know, 20 some over 20 years ago, I felt exactly like what you've explained. I felt like, you know, were they going to pick me? I didn't think about the culture. Like I didn't understand that at that point. Um, and then now over time, obviously I've learned and I, and I really see the value of it. Now, when I go into a job process, I ask those questions. What about the culture? Um, what's the company's values? Um, Cause you, we have to realize, and we're going to be spending a lot of time either in this work environment, working with the people within the company, you really want to make sure that they align um, with your values. Absolutely. So when you talk about getting it right, okay, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that you talk about, I believe in the book is promote with care. Yeah. 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 And then so like we, we've talked about the risks of, of over promotion. Uh, so when you are um, looking at promoting from within, I just recommend being really thoughtful about, you know, where's this person at? Um, you, you obviously have some knowledge of this candidate because they've already been in the company. You know, what are their competency gaps? Are you able to provide uh, the mentorship and support and training that's needed um, to help this person succeed? Now, as you said, you know, we have responsibility for the people within the organizations, and that's not just the responsibility to, to give them promotions, uh, it's also to help them succeed. And, and sometimes if we give someone a promotion too early, uh, we can actually damage them more than we can help them succeed. Yeah, no, 100%. You see that happen. Um, people promoted for the wrong reasons, a lack of understanding, like you said, of role clarity, a lack of understanding on the person's part going into it. It's yeah. funny, I was doing some work with another company in my consulting business, and we were talking about helping their team members because they were struggling. It was a sales company. And I remember the supervisor telling me that that you know these people are too needy. Like they 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 have a problem and they want me to get back to them right away. And a few other things. And I said, What what do you think the role of a supervisor and a leader is like, we started like walking through it because like everything this person listed to me about what their frustrations were with their team. I was like, that's, that's, that's leadership. So, so making sure as people transition, like I'm not just getting a title and a raise, I don't get to just tell everybody what to do now. Um, you know, what is the role you're really going into and what are our expectations of you of that role? Yeah. And that's, you know, there's a good point there because some, you know, it isn't all the the company's fault for over-promoting somebody either. Like like we do have to take some responsibility um, ourselves too, because there is a lot of pressure in society to grow your career and get a bigger title. And and so definitely, I mean, I know myself earlier in my career, I I probably wanted promotions before I was ready. And, you know, sometimes employees even pressure leaders and threaten to to move on um, if they don't get promotions. Um, So, you know, ourselves, we need to think about that and, and, uh, and consider that we may actually not always be helping ourselves if we, if we move into a role before we're ready and before we've, you know, developed those leadership skills and, and had the proper training to be able to, uh, to manage people. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I hear you saying, you know, as employees, we have a duty and responsibility and as employers, we have that duty and responsibility and it's, I don't rarely have I ever found that it's best to take the easy path. Like if there's tough decisions or if there's issues or problems, have that open, honest, caring, transparent communication, make those decisions, even if they're tough, even if you're going to pass somebody up, you think they're going to be upset because the problems that come down the road are 10 times more. And I'm going to tell you right now from experience, 
you don't get any bonus points because you gave them a shot. It just makes it worse. No. And I've seen it. Like I have been in a scenario where I did turn somebody down for promotion who wasn't ready. Um, but then we did provide them with the training to be able to grow and they stayed with the company. And, and about two years later, they then did move into that exact same role and were ready and, and did succeed. But if we promoted them, cause it was also at a really critical time of change in the company. So if we'd moved somebody into a role who wasn't ready for, for it, it would have not only been detrimental to likely them as far as, you know, their ability to learn and, 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 uh, you know, to not set them up with insecurities for the future, but the company may not have been able to reach its goal either. So it, it really is important for us to be thoughtful about moving, uh, moving employees into higher level level roles. It is. And you talk about that. If, if somebody does get passed over, if you've got four or five people going for a position and only one gets it, or there's two positions that that's when it's time to check out and see how the others react, how they respond, because we don't show others as human beings who we really are when times are good. Like anybody can have a great attitude and be a team player and demonstrate humility and rise above when things are going well. We show who we really are when things are tough. And, and there were some tough times where we made promotions um, and we knew people were really upset, but what impressed the heck out of me and our other leadership was, was how they rose above, how they brought a better game, how they brought a better attitude, how they worked to help other people more and, and invest in themselves and come and ask questions. And you, you better believe that both the people that are in my mind right now are promoted, actually have, both have been promoted twice since then. So mm-hmm. that's something as we listen, whether we're in a formal leadership role, we don't get the next level or where we're aspiring. That's, that's really important because people are people are watching. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's a really great point is, and, and I would agree with the person um, that would, they didn't get the, the promotion at the time in my company. They really, they learned, they listened to the feedback, but at the same time, we also handled it in a way that was very open and transparent, as we keep saying, you mm-hmm. know, let them know why we didn't believe it was the right time for them to, for them to move up. And then also let them know how we would support them to be able to be ready for a promotion later. So, you know, it was a combination of that person having really strong values and being a hard worker and us also. So handling uh, the communication of it well that treated them with respect and made them feel valued. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, are we missing anything else? Are there any more things you wanted to share today on how we can Uh, ensure we get the right person in the role? Yeah, you know, the, the other thing we've touched on this a little bit, but I'll, I'll expand a little on um, on identifying c- competency gaps, uh, because none of us, you know, the 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 idea that we're going to find a candidate that is 100 percent right for that nicely defined job description that we did uh, is very unlikely. So we are going to find people, but and they're probably going to, you know, maybe 90 percent, but not that missing 10%. So uh, what I recommend is identifying that and actually even talking to the candidate about it so that they know we're both aware that this is this is an area that they're going to need support and training. And then also ensure that you have the support and training to be able to, to help them learn and grow in the areas where they have the competency gap. So to me, in, in having that discussion, you know, for one, you know, you are prepared to help this person, but they also come in, come in knowing that you know where they're going to need help and they'll come in with with a greater sense of security that way, because they don't need to hide the areas um, where they, they don't quite have the level of experience that you need. Yeah. And I think it's important to tie, tie it all back in as you just did is everything we're talking about, you know, it, obviously it's essential to get the right people in the right roles. Mm-hmm. 
but we're talking about the devastating impacts of having the wrong people in the wrong roles because this drives insecurity in them. It drives dysfunction within your team and manifests in, in so many different ways. And I think, you know, you just talked about identifying the competency gaps, like communicating, getting on the same page with the person. Hey, look, you've got mm-hmm. A, B, and C, but D and E are two things we're going to really need to work on. Then making sure you have the resources to actually work them on. But yeah. then having an ongoing conversation with them about how they're doing in D and E and right. seeing from, and, and not just telling them, right? Because for us to think we know everything that's going on, unless we're working right over people, which is a terrible thing to do anyway, we don't know. So we got to ask good questions. We got to seek first to understand, right? Then be understood and, and, and really communicate with these people um, to, to get to the heart of what it is so we can really support them. And then if we've done all those things and it's, it's not the right fit, I mean, there's times it's not the right fit, but very actionable things you're talking about here. Yeah. And then the one thing about, you know, identifying the, the competency gaps, because a lot of the behaviors that, that we talk about there are driven by, are driven by insecurity because often people feel like an imposter, but if you, if you identify what the competency gaps, well, then they know that, you know, exactly who they are. So they're less likely to feel insecure because they can come to you and go, remember, you know, how we talked about this area that I need training. I'm working on something right now that I need support with. And that ability for them to be open about the areas where they need help, that will really, really reduce feelings of insecurity and, and imposter syndrome. So it's about the environment we create. It is. Environment we create for our team and for our people. So as we, we come to a close on, on the episode, and I really appreciate you coming back and taking a deeper and dive in this so many great things. What am I forgetting to ask? What am I, what are we leaving out here? Is there anything that, that we need to dive in too quick? Um, I mean, we, we've covered, we've covered most things, I think. Um, well, you know, you know, maybe one that we didn't touch on is, is, how sometimes in the interview process, we can get caught up with a candidate because we really, really like them. I mean, I, I don't know if you've had that happen. I know I have where uh, you just have a great, uh, you're able to really talk with them and there's a good per, you know, personal chemistry. So you're like, well, this person will be really great on my team. But in actuality, they're not actually the right fit from a skills perspective. And if and if they get brought on, it, it's you know it can really be disappointing to both them and and you um, after you've hired them. So it, that that's really hard because you know when we have a personal connection with somebody, of course you want to work with them. But we really do need to try to keep our eyes open around that as leaders. And and uh, what I would say is if you feel that that's happened in an interview process, have someone else interview that candidate as well who really knows the role and, and can dig into what their skill set is and to make sure that they're the right fit. Because sometimes personal connection can overpower um, our, you know, logical thinking about who really is the right fit for a role. Absolutely. Likeability does not equal capability, does not equal competency, does not, it, it, it just doesn't. And, and, and being on the lookout for that is a big deal. And we talk about how can we ensure we get the right person and not the wrong person for the role. So today we've gone over and covered all kinds of different areas here when it talks about ensuring employees and in, in, in leadership roles are truly in the right role. We talked about impacts of being in the wrong role, you know, insecurity, a huge one, right? Insecurity drives defensiveness, fear, comparison, jealousy, envy, you know, creates, you know, creates behaviors like micromanagement, closed-minded, we already talked about the defensiveness, lower collaboration, 
Um, there's really this fear of, of being discovered. We talk about how this happens, the, the concepts of you know, over-promotion, the lack of clarity and role, what we need, the misalignment and skills and values. Um, you know, there, there are some issues with nepotism. Be careful when you start promoting people because they're related to you or because you like them. And, and then be aware that there are going to be times that as the company grows, the, the role might outgrow the person. You know, and so, so that's something, you know, and then you shared some, some really incredible things on, you know, how do we ensure we get the right person that clearly defining the role, key aspects of the interview process, you know, promote with care, right? Be careful. We talked a little bit about probationary periods earlier, you know, identify those competency gaps because rarely is somebody going to check every box in a job description and, and watch out for the likability effect, So Melanie, thank you so much for coming back on and joining us today. I've really enjoyed this. Yes. Thanks so much for having me again. To our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider hitting that subscribe button. So you're not missing another episode. Uh, Consider giving us a rating review so we can grow more organically. Remember, go back, check out episode 34, Detox, um, the Impacts of Insecurity in the Workplace, and go and, and check out Melanie's book, which will be linked in the podcast description. Remember, Always be committed to excellence.